welcome to the I Am A Health Visitor podcast. I'm Jenny. And I'm Amy. And this week um, we've got something a bit different. We've got a guest. Um, so we're going to leap straight in and um, play the recording with our guest Bridget Hargreave that we made earlier on. Enjoy. Hi, so now we're here with um, Bridget Hargreave, who wrote Fine Not Fine. Hello, Bridget, and thank you for coming. Hi, (laughs) hi. Thank you so much for having me. It's my first time on a podcast. It's our first time having a guest on a podcast, so... (laughs) It's a day first. Virgins all round. (laughs) (laughs) Things you never thought you'd be saying. Oh, indeed, indeed. Um, We're really happy to have you here. So Bridget wrote a fabulous book, um, as we were saying, Fine Not Fine, which gives lots of different perspectives, doesn't it, on post depression? Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's right. So I I very much wanted to write not just about my story, because I realised that that's not necessarily going to be relevant to everyone. Mm. So I think there's about 20 case studies in there, yeah. I really enjoyed reading, like, the kind of different, different people's experiences, because I think it gives you a really rich picture of how different people might experience different elements of it. Oh, good. Yeah, it's really good to hear. That was definitely the aim, um, because I, the more people I spoke to about postnatal depression after I had it, mm. the more I realised that there's quite a diverse range of experiences yeah. in so many ways. And then things like dads as well, not just mums. Yeah. Some people get it with their second child, not their first. And uh-huh. some people might have it before the birth. Some people might have anxiety instead of depression. There's so much <laughs> diversity there that I wanted to reflect that. Um, and also, it's just really interesting talking to people and hearing yeah. their experiences, and yeah. I really enjoyed sort of listening. I think it's good because, especially, funnily enough, the last podcast we did about birth trauma, and there was a lot we were talking about lived experiences and yeah. things. And I think again, this book is really interesting from that point of view of the mm. lived experience, and so many bits in it where it would be like, yeah, you might not recognise the whole story, but there are definitely elements of it that you think, oh, correct, yes, I've seen that in practice or I've seen that in right. friends or colleagues even and things who've experienced sort of postnatal depression. Mm, yeah. And just that really interesting kind of, you, see, you know, you, you kind of only see such a small tip of it in sometimes people and actually having that chance to delve into actually what were they really feeling and yeah. what were they really experiencing yeah the backstory yeah really, yeah really helps to sort of round up and and gives us a much more complete view of sort of postnatal depression so so yeah. what inspired you to to write the book to write, so of? well initially I suppose um I started writing in between pregnancy so after the birth of my first child um what after which I did have postnatal depression and then um I think just approaching just before I got pregnant the second time I was asked to write a piece for my mum's church magazine oh. um and that just kind of I don't know I just like I got the bug I realized it was quite therapeutic writing about it um and then when I got pregnant with my second child I was very anxious about getting depression again so I found it quite helpful to journal that and so I started Mm. writing then my second child came along I did get depression again and also life with two children took over Mm. so I put things to one side for a couple of years and then returned to it and was lucky enough to find a publisher quite quickly, which spurred me on to produce the rest wow, of the fantastic. book. Um, always a good motivator, having yes. a deadline. <laughs> um, yeah, and I just, like I said, I really wanted to tell other people's stories. Yeah. Um, and also quite early on realised I wanted to talk to professionals as well, which is why it's really yes. good speaking to you guys today, yeah. to get their perspective and their side and compare notes, really. So and that was, was fascinating. Fun 
fabulous having that perspective in the book as well because you interviewed a few um the perinatal psychologists yes and that's the right psychiatrist yeah Dr Rebecca Moore who actually organized the conference that you yeah. went to last week <laughs> and I went to the first one that she did um oh, just yeah. after the book came out yes yeah, so which was fascinating um yeah especially as a lay person really going to something like that was yeah. a real, a real yeah. insight yeah and I, one of the things I love about that and you know just hearing sort of your view today is great um I love hearing professionals take the lived experience seriously yeah. and give particularly women but, but to give kind of patients or clients a voice it's really mm. important yeah, yeah so. it is uh, vital because that's how we learn really yeah. about what the experience is actually like exactly I think obviously the title of the book being fine not fine yeah it's kind of alluding to that mask isn't it and you yes. talk about the mask of motherhood yes exactly that idea of like maybe what we're seeing as a professional might be only very very small part of what that person's yes. feeling yeah and how they're hiding quite a lot perhaps yeah. So that was obviously an important idea for you to get across. Definitely. And it's a, it's a really common theme with people I spoke to, not just for the book, but outside mm. of this. Because I, I tend to find people, now they know about the book, they will talk to me about postnatal depression. Um, and the amount of people who tell me that they, they did lie and they did mm. hide it. Because they most of these people are you know, intelligent, often yeah. educated um, women. They know exactly what's yeah. going on. But there are those irrational fears. Well, some of them sadly aren't irrational. Some of them are no, because they might yeah. have heard of people who've yeah. had bad experiences yeah. um, or perhaps unsympathetic yeah. treatment. Yeah, it's really interesting. I find often, I don't know if you have this similarly, but yeah, I'm, I'm always, and it's that thing with yeah, how you develop as a practitioner as well. Yeah, I, I'm so comfortable now turning around to parents on new birth visit, mums and dads, and saying, mm. Have you had any history of anxiety or depression before? And mm. sort of opening that door up. And I think the boldness of the, the question is sort of, you know, strikes a bit. And, and they do often sort of disclose about, you know, yeah. sort of having had depression or things. Yeah. And some of the guys who I find most on the ball are those who've had depression in the past, have treated yeah. it with medicine, have often had, and I know you had experience yes. with CBT. Yes. And they just seem, for, you know, they're, they're so level-headed about it. And they're like, we know what we're looking for. We know what we're going to be worried about. We've got a bit of an action plan around, you know, sort of already knowing that and, and having that faith in thinking, right, actually, when I was low before, medication helps, CBT yeah. helps. I know I can go back to those. Yeah, that helps so much. If anything happens again. Yeah. And always sort of having that earlier trigger of yes. it and things. It, it really helps. And actually, actually, I found that with having postnatal depression a second time, even though I would never have chosen that, no. it was it was in some ways an easier ride because I knew I knew that it was finite. I knew from experience, mm. even though my heart wasn't feeling it, my head was telling me, it doesn't last. These things work. There are things you can do that will which yeah. will work, yeah. and there are things that you can avoid, and that's really helpful. Yeah. So I, having a professional to kind of elicit that and help you revisit that is yeah. really really helpful. And, and just coming back, to, I just want to try and like talk a little bit about kind of picking it up and trying to see behind that yes. mask a little bit as a professional and how you can maybe help women and men to feel that they can share their feelings and be honest. Yeah. Um, and you talked a little bit in the book about different um, tools like the PHQ-9, the yes. Edinburgh scale, you yeah. know, the Hooli questions and um, how those things are used. And I know that it, I think... I read a bit about you had a, a bad experience with those tools and also yeah. a, a better experience yeah, with yes, the tools. Exactly, so a range, yeah, exactly, I'm wondering <laughs> how you felt, you know, professionals, who do you think the tools are useful? Do you think people should be using them? If they are using them, 
what kinds of things could they do to make it a positive experience for the client rather yeah, than I something see. that feels like a tick box? I think that, well, I think that's it in a way. It's, it's making, take it away from the tick box. Yeah. And it's making it, and something you mentioned when we were talking earlier was the kind of um, asking the questions kind of as part of the conversation yeah. so that it's not, you know, really obvious kind of sirens blaring. Sure. We're now about to ask a depression question. <laughs> yeah. You know, everybody watch out. You know, if it's part of the natural conversation. And something, actually a tip I picked up from a GP that I interviewed, um, mm. Dr. Tara George, um, who is a GP who does a lot of perinatal commissioning as mm. sort of side part of her job um but she mentioned that in her um practice something that she does is that she'll just kind of it's we call it in in um, counseling training we call it self-disclosure she'll mm. maybe just say something about her own life or oh okay. i know i found this or you know oh yeah. is it possible you might be feeling a bit and it's just conversational tactics yeah. isn't yeah. it yeah. so that you're not you haven't got those red flags going everywhere yeah. and it's a funny one because we're told so often yeah, not don't share personal your own. don't share yeah. mm. i find i do end up sharing personal things especially when it comes to sort of breastfeeding and stuff because that's partly how i've ended up in mm. health visiting because of my experiences from my first with breastfeeding mm. and struggling to get that established and mm. things and I think it's it's a really helpful thing often for parents when they are struggling mm. for me to be able to say actually you know what I've been there I've done that I you know I might not go down the same path now but I end up mixed feeding my daughter when she was young and you know I, there's no harm in that it worked she grew you know yeah I was able to sustain breastfeeding with that as well yeah yeah and I think it just kind of not you know it does sort of it is that thing where they kind of go oh and it, it, it normalises, normalizes. Yeah. and I think there is a bit of a thing at times where we are seen as a health visitor above being a human. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's that kind of humanising and sort of, yeah, it is, yeah, it's so mm. much healthier in a way for us as well as the clients. Definitely. To make it more of a normal conversation. I guess it's just about boundaries. I mean, it's interesting that, so it's part of your training, you're encouraged not to do that. Well, I think, that I, I guess the kind of, the thought behind that is that you don't want to make people feel like you know it's the worst thing is having someone say oh I understand yes and actually yeah. they don't understand yeah. at all no um you know and and maybe bringing in their own things and that coloring yeah your That's experience really interesting. yeah so you, you want to try and keep it very real to how you're feeling yes. and not actually bring and keep my it in their frame of reference yeah yeah, yeah. There's the yeah. last thing you want is a client end up going oh no you pulled yeah thing. exactly yeah. how did that make you feel <laughs> I can imagine that might happen and it's really interesting because I'm as we were mentioning before I'm retraining in counseling and okay. one of the I mean at the early stages but one of the things that is um, really emphasised from quite early on is the importance of staying in the client's frame of reference yes, yeah. so self-disclosure is something that you would only use judiciously yeah. if it's going to help the client it's not about you it's not your no. chance to go down memory lane or maybe no. work something out because no. <laughs> yeah. that's your to own be done on your own time <laughs> yeah. so it's really I guess it's about experience yeah. and it's knowing when to introduce yeah. that yeah. yeah, and maybe having that judgement call and thinking yeah. about how that's going to yeah. impact on this conversation and help you yeah. so you talked about frames of reference and that's something I really try hard hard to do in my practice is use the words that the lay the woman is saying yes or yeah. the man is saying so if they're saying I'm feeling low using that particular phrase low rather yes. than putting my own language onto it and then that sometimes you can see people go oh well that wasn't quite what I meant or it was That's a bit right. jarring it, yeah, yeah it jarring is exactly the word and it's called, we call, it's called reflecting and it's yes. um which is part can sometimes be about body language but yeah. it's that's really interesting because this idea of reflecting um, and sticking to the words that the person's used yeah. is it's actually more challenging than it sounds. Yeah, it is, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. also there's times when parents all, you know, like, I mean, sort of, yeah, we've had 
parents using swear words for things yeah. that you're saying. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> can I reflect? That's a tricky that? one. Can, <laughs> I, can, I, can I reflect that one back? Knowing that we're in clinic, and I, I went, ooh, and that lady over there definitely went, ooh, when she heard you. Yes. <laughs> you know? that That's, but it's really interesting. I think a lot of people would probably be quite encouraged to hear that that is part of your training. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. there is, as I know you know, there is this. Um, sort of old more negative there are some more negative associations with the profession which is such a shame because actually you can be such an ally to people affected by postnatal depression you know and that's that's a really interesting I think that would encourage a lot of people to hear that and what were your own experiences with with health visitors um really mixed to be honest I mean my so my oldest son is almost nine so we're going back quite a while now and I realize a lot has changed uh, although sadly some of that is to you know cuts yeah. all, not all the changes are positive so no, no, like some true. are beyond your control but so I had a mixture I I, I really enjoyed listening to your podcast about reflux because I actually struggled um, with reflux with both my children okay. um, and my first had it quite mildly and really just needed gavis, infant gavascon yeah. um, but the health sisters I had just really couldn't work out what it was and, and looking back it you know, he was being sick all the time after a feed. It was it, it was wasn't quite yeah. Yeah. So my initial, they were also really concerned when he couldn't walk by 15 months away. So I had the classic, you know, those stories you, I'm sure yeah, you hear yeah, all the time. Yeah. Um, but second time around, I had a wonderful experience. I was given um, what was called a series of listening visits with yeah, a health visitor who yeah. was on secondment from another practice um, to my local practice. Um, and she would come and see me, I think every kind of fortnight for... I mean, definitely over six months because I was definitely still seeing her when Ted was being uh, weaned. Yeah. Um, and she, she would just come. And I remember sometimes I'd think, oh, I'm not sure I need her to come anymore. Mm. And then she would come and I would feel so much better by yeah. the time oh, she left. That's and wonderful. it was really good. Yeah, really, really helpful. That's fantastic. Mm, yeah. And really interesting because um, actually, I don't know whether, you may probably already know this, but they recently redid the NICE guidelines around postnatal right. mental health. Yeah. And they actually excluded listening visits as an intervention from the oh, guidelines. Oh, I didn't know they'd done that. Yeah, oh, they that's specifically took them out. Mm. Um, and I think that caused quite a bit of controversy yeah. at the time. I wonder and why they did that. I think, I think oh, the thing to say for people listening is not that NICE guidance now no longer recommends listening visits. That's yeah. absolutely not what's happened. I think it's that there was there was some debate over the evidence base and things like that, right. which, which caused some issues and then led to them being removed from the later version of the guidance. But that doesn't undermine the reason for them. Yeah. And a lot of the NICE guidance that it says does talk about the value of listening reflective practice mirroring and all of those kind of skills that you would use in a listening visit so I think the nice guidance does support listening visits but perhaps without actually using the term which is a bit disappointing yeah that's interesting Um, but I'm wondering it's something to do with that thing as well where listening visits are so individual to that relationship between the health visitor and the client it's so tricky to to and I think so much is turned towards targets and outcomes yeah it's It's about how do we measure that relationship because as as you know with every intervention it's only as good as the relationship you've got with that person yes literally nothing works without the relationship so yeah yeah and it's mm, and I think it was quite my understanding was it wasn't something that was available to everyone or it seemed to be a little bit hit and miss who I mean it was certainly never offered to me the first time around when arguably it probably needed it more yeah um but no, she, I mean, I got some great pieces of advice. I can remember she would say things to me that I still remember, like, you know, you know, people say the whole sleep when the baby sleeps and you kind of think, oh, well, really, it's not yeah. that easy. And it's yeah. hard to sleep if you have depression, often your yeah. problems are sleep. Yeah. And I can remember her saying to me, 
that's okay. Just lie down, read a magazine or like lie on the sofa and watch your favourite program. And I was kind of like, oh. And it sounds so stupid, but I was yeah. kind of like, yeah, yeah. oh, that's that count as rest. Yes, that count as rest. These have to be snoring. Yes. Like, yes. Yeah. I haven't failed by not doing, taking yeah. that bit. But, you know, yeah. it was that kind of, you know, she was really helpful. And she was someone who was experienced and would talk about her own experience as a health visitor, but also her experience as a mum, yeah. um, which was helpful too. So she did self-disclosure, not just in terms of her own children, but also you know, obviously not ever betraying confidence, but just, no. you know, cases she'd seen, yeah, course, you know, reassuring, yeah. this does get better. Oh, I've yeah. seen lots of mums go yeah. through this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a light at the end of the tunnel, yes. you know. Yeah. People yeah. get better. Yeah, and, and exactly. And you're, you're going to get Which better you need as well. To hear. Yeah. 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 And so with your counselling training, are you looking at going into perinatal mental I would, health? Yes, I, I would to, love to, yeah. I mean, I suppose so much, as ever, depends on funding. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, and I, I think... Um, I've got another two years to go. I've got a diploma to do um, after this academic year. So a lot will depend on where I end up doing my placement um, yeah. and what approach I end up favouring. Um, but I would love to... It feels like a natural development Definitely. to work with perinatal women. Mm. The, the difficulty is that I think a lot of counsellors are finding the job market is not great. Yeah. So they're going into private practice. And my worry with that is the women who can afford private counselling, that's great. I mean, I probably would have fallen into that bracket myself and yeah. they need it. Yeah. But I'm not sure I would like to restrict myself to yeah. that. I, would, I think it would be fascinating yeah. to sort of work in the public sector. So, um, and I do worry about the women who fly below the radar yeah, and, and if their depression isn't recognised. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that a lot of health visitors will identify mm. with listening to because we see everybody in their homes. Yes, so of course. you really see the broad spectrum of how yeah. you know, depression and other mental health conditions can affect people differently. And that's something... I think was really interesting I found in your book as well you talked about a kind of um almost like a a picture of a person that you would be worried about and I think it was when you were talking about to the psychiatrist I think oh yes and you were talking about um you know a middle class woman who's maybe hiding her symptoms and is maybe um seeming very affluent seeming very put together projecting this image of everything's going wonderfully that would be a more high risk woman that you're very very worried about yes yes that's true and in fact uh, yeah I think that was when I spoke to Dr Moore who organizes yes, the birth trauma yes, conference yes. and, and um, she's spoken about this before mm. um, and it, it, those are the women who can be at risk mm. and there are lots of theories about that and I know mm. I definitely fell into the category of women who I'd been in working in a professional role for 10 years. Mm. I had my life very much under control. Yeah. And it's all about control. Yes. And then, of course, I had babies, which is when you lose control yeah. first yeah. at the birth and then, you know, yeah. life with the baby. So I definitely ticked all those boxes. Yeah. Um, but actually, something that you were talking about in um, the podcast you did around the trauma conference, mm-hmm. I found really interesting. This, the, mm. So this idea of going back and talking about previous experiences. Yes. Um, but not just in terms of how people coped, but also just like, when did you last feel like this and why? Yeah, and, yeah. and do you kind of worry about, are you someone who worries about things? Are you someone who likes to be in control? Because yeah. I think if you start thinking about those things, you start, you're more likely to recognise yeah. you know, a, a mental um, health issue as yeah, it arises because yeah, yeah. you're more in touch with your feelings, yeah, aren't you? Yeah. 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 Are you someone who finds it easy to reach out for help or, yeah. or actually quite hard? And, yeah. you know, how have you done that in the past? Exactly. Yeah. And that can, yeah, I think that could be very helpful. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's great. Um, I mean, we touched on breastfeeding and sleep a little bit. Yeah. But I wanted to kind of specifically 
kind of talk about that a little yeah, bit because sure. I think that's something that comes across in pretty much all of the yeah. stories yes. yeah. is issues around feeding whether that's breastfeeding problems or reflux yeah. something similar to what you have experienced yes um and then obviously the classic is sleep deprivation which we know is terrible for yeah. your oh, mental it's health just in every yeah. way um so I think that's a thing that everyone who has a newborn can identify with those yeah. problems. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, and you're, but you're right, those themes came up again and again, mm. and I was fascinated by that. And I was fascinated that feeding um, in terms of the mum feeding the baby came mm. up, but feeding in terms of baby feeding issue, I suppose those two are intrinsically linked, but you know, yeah. it's a reflux for me yeah. both times. Yeah. But many of the people I spoke to, obviously it's a small sample, but yeah, yeah. many of them, had had babies with reflux issues and I and I just think that must it is very exhausting it takes its toll and adds to the sleep deprivation yeah and with my second baby who had it far more severely it uh, he didn't sleep through really till he was about two and it just ruined me you know and he was actually effectively um diagnosed and on he was on um, a meprazole within a couple of months it was that it was our our pathway was very very quick and rapid thankfully yeah Um, at least but um, even even given all of that, there was only so much we could do. Really, a lot of it was just growing out of Wait, it and time. Yeah. yeah, which is so difficult to manage. It is. It, you know, a few months feels like years. A life sentence. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. And because I was explaining to Amy, and because I mean, we we kind of know each other yes, exactly. far better yes. than we know each which other which is in so real funny life. although we live near each other yeah and because we have this like local forum mm-hmm. that is online and I was explaining to Amy how actually it's it's a bit of a weird because you were saying how in the area you work you mm. don't feel like you see bottle or breastfeeding, breastfeeding at all it's around all bottle feeding yeah. yeah and I was saying for us in our area actually especially through through the the forum that we're both on yeah that you'd always feel a bit <gasps> about Judged going out with a bottle yes yeah. because yeah. actually it's much more of a breastfeeding much more vocal um pro breastfeeding community it really mm. is which of course in many ways is great yeah and i can see that much it's really interesting looking um through a lens now back across nine years I can see things more clearly. But when I was in it and having those feeding issues, I felt as if I was up against this army of people who were judging me and criticising me. Mm. Um, And and I wouldn't even say for the choice we made because it didn't feel like a choice, you know. But now I've calmed down a lot and I can kind of understand that there are many positives about the fact that that support is here in the community and that there is that culture. It's just getting the balance, isn't it? It, And I think it's also that thing where so many people come from just that one side of whatever their own experience has been. yeah. And looking through such a narrow, a narrow to use your a narrow lens rather than the wide lens that you really need yeah. to. Yeah, that's the nature of having depression, isn't it? That it, all of your thoughts are coloured by that kind of yeah. negative and and finding it really difficult to see anything positive. Yeah, so, that's right. Yeah, and little comments that people make will become. Um, sort of tools like negative tools that you use to beat yourself with yeah. so you know something that someone says on a forum or you know or says to you in the street for instance yeah. will be the thing that you remember and come back to yeah. even though there might be you know 90 other comments which are supportive and understanding yeah. and that is just the nature of it yeah. unfortunately which is such a shame mm. but quite often people come back to breastfeeding you know when you have try and have those conversations maybe antenatally um and you're asking a woman about her experience with her first baby and right how was your mood 
food and how did you feel you know at, during the pregnancy and afterwards is there anything you're worried about going into this pregnancy often the first thing they will say when you're talking to them about mental health is oh well I really struggled with breastfeeding last time yeah do you know so yeah. anecdotally I think that really fits with my experience in practice and I think the research evidence backs that up as well and all yeah. the guidance yeah you know, often talks about breastfeeding it must be so linked yeah. and it's all part of your identity as a mother mm. and these that awful question are you feeding the baby yourself you know oh, you think, yeah. gosh. Really? it's like trying to work out the way to ask it and it's like, I find, I find myself yourself? saying are you feeding your baby and then going well no of course yourself. you're feeding your yes. baby that's yeah. the bare minimum yes but exactly yeah. how yourself you and you know what you're getting at and actually you were talking last week about how you, you might ask um, somebody um, how are you feeling emotionally which I think is really nice and yeah. the thing that I became my bugbear was how are you in yourself because again it doesn't I mean that yeah. question doesn't mean anything yeah. and, and for I mean I know what they're we all yeah. know we don't yeah. know really what they're mm. getting at but it's it's just you know don't dance around it yeah. I think Jenny you're absolutely right just yeah. come out with it how are you feeling emotionally um are you breastfeeding are you bottle feeding you know yeah. and how is it going how yeah. is the feeding going great mm. you know and it's it's come you know it's just being no. being clear isn't definitely. it definitely <laughs> definitely yeah yeah, that's good to hear that that clarity. Yeah. That people appreciate that. I they? think they yeah. do. And, and it's but it's right to be careful how we choose our words because people pick up on inherent judgment yeah. really yeah. easily, especially yeah. in this context when they're Definitely. vulnerable, tired, worried about their choices already, yeah. or perhaps not feeling they do have choices. So yeah. Yeah. it's really good to hear people are thinking about it. Yeah. yeah, definitely. That's wonderful. I think that's a really good sort of point to, to end on as well, yeah. really, to think, you know, just to sort of summed it up beautifully. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. It's been really useful. It was so nice to come on. Thank I you. Know, thanks ever so much. And it, so, as it, we, sorry. Is there if there was one thing you wanted a health visitor to take away next time they're in front of a woman and she's disclosing something about her mood, maybe she's not feeling great. Yeah. Is there something that you would say? Please remember this. <laughs> um, I. I think it's about reactions. I mean, and this yeah. this is definitely from what I'm training in at the moment, but I've been learning this, that uh, we we react physically without realising. So mm. the raised eyebrows, the, yeah. the kind of look of shock, or mm. even the look of sort of dismissing or looking a bit bored or not taking something seriously, mm. all those things, um, the woman or man you're speaking to will be alert to mm. and probably hyper alert mm. because it's taken them a lot to say what they are saying to you. Yeah. So it's just about trying to keep that sort of fairly calm um oh not impassive but fairly neutral but kindly yeah. expression if yeah. that doesn't sound too difficult and yeah. listening exactly mm. yeah Fantastic. oh thank you so much thank for you that. thanks for me i think we should add that yeah fine not fine is available on amazon it, <laughs> it is, is. <laughs> yes yes and it's a brilliant book it really oh, does give you, you yeah. a really i think as a health visitor reading it there were so many, you know, I literally went through like folding down pages oh, being wow. like, oh, I'm to ask you about this or I'm to ask you about that because there's so many parts of it that I think are really relevant for health visitors. So and I think I know, I know we've got mm. a lot of um, student health visitors who listen as well. And I think oh. it's just so useful for mm. them. It was really good. Um, basis to sort of possibly offer them some clarification on things they might be seeing in practice yeah or you know it's sometimes you have certain things where you think oh my god I'm not seeing any of that mm. how will I manage and how will I deal with that sure. if I do the see first it in time practice? I come across it and I think it's a really good one to give them that foundation mm. in sort mm. of looking at the wider aspects of the condition that's and, great uh, what that's to do. really good to hear I hope it's useful thank you yeah. thanks very much for coming thank you. thank you thanks guys and thank you everyone for listening as ever you can um, comment to us by email 
I am a health visitor <laughs> at gmail.com. Sorry, you didn't tell me to do that. No, sorry. Um, or Twitter, <laughs> I am HV, and our Facebook page as well. Um, we always love hearing from you. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll speak to you soon. Bye.